Hello, everyone, and welcome to One Meal, One Workout, your new approach to food and fitness. Brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Butler and Don Sullivan. Hey, everybody. How are you doing out there? This is former fat guy Aaron Butler, or FFG, as my homies call me. Uh, Who calls you that? To- really? I call myself that. Oh, okay. My son says he calls himself, um, what is it? Flash, not Flash Forward. He's got some, he's got his own superhero name. He said, my superhero name is Flash Forward or whatever it is. And who calls you that, that Nathaniel? I do. Yeah. <laughs> so as he's running through the house, he calls himself Flash Forward or whatever he said his name was. So, so we got Don Sullivan with us in the house today. What's up, Don? Hi, Aaron. Baby's doing uh, okay, huh? Doing okay. She had her first set of shots today. Oh, oh that means she's going to be miserable no matter what you do. Yeah. Yes, pretty much. We have the Tylenol, yeah. toddler Tylenol on tap. That's Tylenol all duration. That's right. Yeah. Ready to go. All right. Segwaying into the news. In the news. Maggie goes on a diet. I'm not talking about your, do- your daughter, Don. Oh, good. Because I was going to be confused. Yeah. Have you guys heard about this yet? Maggie goes on a diet? Nope. It's a, it's a little bit of a controversy out there right now. It is a new book. It's, I don't even know if it's really been released yet or if it's just been pre-released and reviewed by people. But it is a children's diet book. And people are saying it sends the wrong message that kids should be healthy. <laughs> I think the issue is the message that they send is that losing weight makes everything better. She becomes a soccer star. She feels good about herself. She's happy. She's popular. And and it, that, I think, is the message people have a problem with. What do you think? You know, they... I mean, that's know, why I'm getting skinny. I don't know about you guys. I definitely want to be a soccer star and the prom queen. So. <laughs> yeah, the, the issue is, like I said, that her life becomes perfect. She goes unha- from unhappy to a soccer star and all that. But, I've, you know, some people are complaining, too, because it's an idea of a diet. And, and if, you're, if you fall off the wagon, then you're worthless. Let's, you know what the article says. Um, I th- I think it's a good idea, you know, a book that addresses this because apparently there's not many out there that encourages kids to be healthy and make smart choices. Obviously, it's a great idea. Spinning it so that her life becomes perfect after she loses her weight, maybe it was not the best choice. <laughs> Aaron, I would like for you to have maybe look for somebody on the show who's a, a pediatrician and, and get their uh, thoughts on this. Maybe pencil okay. that in for a future episode because I, I'm dealing with this with my own daughter. She's nine yeah. years old now. I was a fat kid. Uh, like from the day I was born. Um, and, and my daughter, uh, is a fat little girl. And as a, as a parent, that's an issue, you know. Um, every nine-year-old is always hungry. That's part of that growth process, right? Um, and so we're we're, just, we're I'm struggling with that. She's she's not just chunky. Um, she's a big girl. She's taller than most girls, you know. She's um, just uh, um, unusually large, just like I was. But also, she's clearly overweight. And so that's a that's an issue. I think that isn't addressed often enough. We wait until somebody is like Don or like me who uh, gets to be mid-30s and, and decides I've had enough. Well, you know, do we really have to wait that long? Isn't there some intervention we can do before that? I think that's definitely, you know, there's a thing right now in Atlanta, and I'm actually trying to get some of these people on, called Strong for Life, and it's about it's uh, combating childhood obesity. Um, because, you know, that's when we set, a lot in a lot of ways, our life, time habits and and the way we approach fitness and exercise and eating and all those kind of things and so uh, yeah i definitely think there's a, a place for that on this show and and in general and the discussion of fit, fitness and health my friend bob at work um you know he he wants his family to be healthy and he's in okay shape and his family's all in okay shape nobody's huge like me like i was you know um but he's just concerned because they don't always eat real healthy. And so he's, he's kind of back and forth. How much as the parent can you in, enforce, you know, can you force your child to eat healthy? How much, uh, as a husband, can you encourage your wife or wife encourage your husband? You know, it's hard. Um, Don, type up a whole bunch of show notes about that. And, uh, <laughs> I, I can't, <laughs> sir, sir. <laughs> I can't count the t- number of times over the years that I've said to my daughter, you're not hungry. You want to eat. And it's important that you learn the difference. Yeah. Because she'll say, I'm hungry. No, you're not. And, and you have to learn that difference at some point in your life, that there's a difference between being hungry and wanting to eat. 
Yeah, and what we as Americans usually actually consider a hunger pain is really not at all. I mean, uh, I've gone on an extended fast before, and what I say, like before dinner, I'm getting hungry. It's not hungry. (laughs) Six days into it, then you're starting to get hungry. Ten days into it, that's hunger, you know. So anyway. So we have with us today here a a good friend of mine. We were never officially college roommates, much like Seth Anderson, right, Mark? But uh, we we could have been college roommates as much times as we hung out in college. Uh, Mr. Mike Sherrill currently of the Fort Worth greater metro area. And um, Mike's, like I said, a longtime friend of mine. And uh, known him since he was just a wee tyke of 18 years old, just out of high school. I'm, I'm a whole year older than him, so I'm an old man. And uh, <laughs> and so Mike, uh, and I, when I he and I met, we were both what you typically call big guys. And we spent the next 20 years or so being big guys. Um, and I don't want to get too far into it until we get into it. So just want to say... Mike, I'm excited to have you on here. Say hi to everybody. How's it going, everybody? Fantastic. So just tell us, uh, I mentioned you, you live in Fort Worth. People know we, we've known each other for you know 20 years from college. But who are you? Kind of what do you do now? What's your? Just give us a, the 30-second snapshot of who is Mike Sherrill. Well, Mike is a guy that uh, is 41 years old. And um, I'm a physical therapist assistant. And I have two sons and a wife. My oldest son is a... Second year Texas A&M um, college student, and my youngest is going into the eighth grade this year. Excellent. So how long have you been doing the physical therapy thing, Mike? I've been in physical therapy for probably a good 17, 18 years now. Wow. And at one point you were also, weren't you in like an echo tech or something, echocardiogram tech or something like that? Yeah. I worked in the ICU as a telemetry tech, reading EKG rhythms and reporting back to doctors if there was any kind of uh, abnormalities in the rhythm so that they could, you know, make adjustments medically or just keeping tabs on people from a cardiac standpoint. Cool. So it's kind of interesting. Um, Here you are, obviously, in the healthcare industry, physical therapy assistant. So you're dealing with people all day long. And you yourself, much like myself a year ago, we're not in a real healthy situation. Uh, so take us back. How, how many years ago was this, Mike, when, when all this kind of came to a head and you started making some decisions? What, what year are we talking about? Well, when um, in the year 2000, my family went to Alaska and uh, I was a rather large guy then. I was probably close to 400 pounds at that time. And, you know, found out that living in a small town, pretty sheltered, didn't go too many places. And didn't fly very often that, you know, trying to fly at that weight was extremely difficult and almost, you know, it's it pretty much just embarrassing at times because you were having to ask for seatbelt extenders. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and, and if you weren't, for some reason, if you weren't, if your seat ticket uh, was away from one of your family members, you were basically, you know, over into someone else's seat, which was uh, not very nice to them. And they yep. weren't very appreciative of it either. Yeah, I've, uh, we've actually mentioned that in the show before because I've been in the same situation. I actually had a situation where I, Mark's a big guy too, and um, to use an analogy, you know, uh, use us as examples. I got on a plane one time, realized my ticket was the back row, walked back there, and saw Mark sitting at the window seat, you sitting at the aisle seat, and my seat was between you. <laughs> I was like, I'm afraid the plane's going to fry a little cricket here, you know, <laughs> putting a lot of weight in the backhand corner. Um, and I just kind of plopped down in there and plugged myself into that hole and rode all the way to San Francisco with no seatbelt because I couldn't uh, couldn't reach the uh, couldn't reach between us to put it on. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Go ahead. Didn't mean to sidetrack. Well, well, with it being uh, pretty uncomfortable with that, you know, we, we had a good time in Alaska, but there were just lots of things that, you know, physically – uh, I wasn't able to do. I was always a pretty healthy big guy. I mean, I was I was big and I played, you know, basketball with the boys and things like that. I you know, I tired easily, but I never uh I always had that 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 want to and spirit to to do what everybody else was doing. But, you know, in Alaska, it really became apparent that my size was uh really starting to weigh on me. Uh, I didn't really have any physical problems that I knew of at that time, but in 2000 I kind of had this um, thought that I needed to do something. So looking over various diet plans, uh, you know, I looked at the the protein diet plan, you know, the kind of the low carb uh, Atkins type diet. And, right. and um, so I followed that, you know, I guess for a lack of a better term, religiously for a year. 
And in that year, you know, I, I lost, you know, right at nearly a hundred pounds. And, you know, that still just brought me down to about, you know, like right around 300 pounds, but I felt, uh, tremendously better. Uh, the only thing about it was, is that it living on that particular diet, it, it became really frustrating to try to maintain that particular diet plan, uh, just because right, of right. The, the nature of, you know, trying to eat out. Uh, it's very difficult to go to any restaurant and not deal with carbs. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that it, it, it became a frustrating point and, and little by little I started to slack off. And then, you know, basically what took place was, you know, I abandoned the whole thing and the, the weight came back. Yeah. The rebound effect, right? Yeah. It came back and then, and then some, uh, yeah. so, uh, what became my ultimate rationale for wanting to have gastric bypass surgery was, having watched a, a television program um, called Big Medicine. And uh, I became, you know, very concerned with how big the human body can get and actually not die. You know, there was a point psychologically and, you know, emotionally where I just kind of thought to myself, you know, hey, this is, this is, you know, I mean, I'll just eat, enjoy my food. And when that nice heart attack comes, I'll just be done with it. But I, then I, I watched Big Medicine and realized that you can get really, really big and not die. <laughs> right. So it kind of became a realization of uh, I may end up disabled or bedridden or a burden to my family. Right. Or, right. You know, right. This isn't, this is, there's a good possibility this isn't going to end pretty. No. Uh, and just watching the program, you realize just how much um, of your own dignity gets taken away from you when you have to have other people caring for you, just the small things in life, you know, and I'm a pretty private person, medically speaking. And, you know, I don't, I don't talk about a whole lot of my, you know, I never complained about my size. I never, you know, um, you know, yeah, it, it was my body. I mean, I was doing it to me. There was nobody to blame, but me, I knew that. Um, yeah. But I just didn't have the information on in knowing just what all could take place. I just thought that, you know, the the easy thing of, you know, just have the big heart attack and call it done. But, you know, that's not always what takes place first. Right. I just want to stop for one second and 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 say publicly, Mike, I, I really do appreciate you coming on and talking about this because this is a, probably in some ways more than than other people who maybe just diet or things like that. I mean, this is involving medical procedure and things like that. So I really appreciate you being real and talking about the real things that you dealt with because one of the, one of the things from the very first very first podcast we did, and I think Mark actually mentioned it in the first podcast was that this is a show about real people with real struggles and real life. And this is not a, a 30 minute infomercial for the latest, greatest craze. This is the real deal. So I appreciate you. you um, well, that's no sharing. problem. I mean, if it, uh, over the last three and a half years of having had bypass surgery, uh, I've had probably three or four people that I've mentored that have, um, you know, from the start till they, them actually having it, um, you know, they talk to me and I talk to them and uh, I've never led anybody into whatever their decision was. I, I basically told every one of them, this is this is a decision that you have to make for yourself. You can't let uh, you can't have the surgery based on. Um, on anything other than yourself, you know, you have right. to do it for you because uh, I, I would hear several people say, well, I'm going to do it for my family. But really, if you do it for you first, you're, you're going to have your family benefit. Uh, but you know, there's those people that if you do it for someone else, there's always the risk of being resentful towards that. If, yeah. if things don't go your way. Right. Because well, the, the go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, well, I mean, the, the reality of it is, is in any procedure that's done, there's always risk. And, you know, there's uh, there's always things that you have to uh, to to weigh in. And I made the decision myself. I knew this was my avenue. This was my avenue to take. I wrapped my entire thought process around it. I knew this is what I wanted to do. Um, and and I, I basically had to tell myself, no matter good or bad, because there's uh, probably way more, way more good outcomes than bad. But, you know, the bad outcomes seem to be the ones that, you know, you hear more of and, and the fear factors that lots of yeah. people will, will talk about, about surgeries. But, 
you know, the, you know, it's just a decision you make for yourself and you have to do it, but everybody benefits when you, you know, still. Yeah. When you get healthy, your whole family benefits regardless. Exactly. So, so you mentioned three and a half years ago, so you had the surgery that would have been what January of like, Oh, eight. Well, it was December of, um, Oh seven, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, uh, I'm, I'm missing some timeline there. Um, it was 2000. You went to Alaska. You spent yeah. a year on the Atkins diet. Where are the other six years there? Well, the other six years were spent basically just um, enjoying food. So you just gave <laughs> up and, and uh, walked yeah, away. Yeah, I, I, I kind of did. Uh, you know, um, I my final weight prior to going to, um, you know, when I when I first went to my weight loss doctor was. Uh, was 448 pounds. That's where I was uh, at the time when I first went for my first consultation for gastric bypass. But, you know, it just came on little by little each year. And um, and so during that time frame, you know, I, I became, I, I wasn't sheltered because I went to work every day. You know, nothing in my normal life, you know, um, you know, suffered from a financial standpoint for me. I mean, I always went to work. I always, I, I was the worship leader at my church. I was there every week, twice a week, you know, leading the music and loving what I did. I, I, I was, I didn't consider myself to be a, um, uh, you know, super down, depressed in the dumps over the whole issue. I just kind of had made that mental thought that, hey, I'm just going to go ahead and live my life. I'm going to do what I do. And when that, when that day comes, it comes. But, you yeah. know, it wasn't, I, I didn't, um, I didn't just sit home and, and, and be depressed about it. I just thought I was going to live and, you know, when I, when I died, it happened. Yeah. So but, you, you went to Alaska, you came back, you spent a year getting healthier and then you spent yeah. the next four or five years gaining it back plus some. Right. And right. then finally in December of 07, you actually went for the surgery. So it's been, like you said, over three and a half years now, right? Yeah. Well, the surgery was in 07, but really the, uh, to back up just a little bit more, when I went for the first consultation, it was probably back in, uh, November of 06 because, um, I went for the consultation and it took every ounce of energy that I had, you know, emotionally, spiritually, uh, physically to go to this appointment. Because like I say, I'm a real modest, uh, person and very private. And to expose yourself like that, uh, you know, I mean, I didn't, I had uh, no ideas of what I would have to do. Uh, they don't make you know. big boy gowns, do they, Mike? <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> the they, they, actually, the they do at a bariatric place. Yeah, I guess but, so. uh, they have to, yeah. If you go I'm to sure a regular hospital, you know, you won't find them very easily. So I wasn't sure what I was going to expect. And, and knowing how I am as a, as a, you know, individual, you know, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I dreaded it horribly. But after I went to the first appointment, everybody was nice that my doctor was fantastic. Um, you know, the staff was great. Well, then after I went for my consultation, they basically told me, yes, you're a candidate, but then you get into the issue with your insurance where your insurance shows no, no evidence that you needed other than your size. So what I did is I, I ended up having to have a whole lot of testing done to show that I had comorbidities to establish a pattern of why I would need to do this. So that meant I had to go to the doctor, lots of tests, you know, blood tests, things like that. I had to take, um, you know, I ended up finding out that I was indeed diabetic. Didn't know I was, but I was and not horrible, but still diabetic. And I had sleep apnea uh, that, during the testing, they told me that I stopped breathing 211 times in three and a half hours for about 15 to 20 seconds each time. Wow. You know, so that might have explained why I was always tired. Yeah. It's actually next, our guest next week, assuming we get the scheduling nailed down, is actually going to be a sleep doctor talking about that sleep apnea yeah. and how the role it plays in obesity and things like that. So for maybe the layman out there, comorbidity maybe it's obvious to you, maybe it isn't. That means more than one thing that's deadly, basically is kind of a rough translation. So you got to have, for the insurance, a lot of times to pay, they they want you to have a couple of things that might kill you. <laughs> right. You can't be basically. fat and healthy. You have to be fat right. and unhealthy. Right. right. And yeah, you know, they, and insurance doesn't understand sometimes that, 
Uh, you understand their point of view. I mean, they they want to, uh, you know, not have to pay for things if 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 it's just purely like a cosmetic. I just want to lose a few pounds, kind of thing. There really has to be some justification for it. So right. uh, basically, I had to start jumping through their hoops, and mm-hmm. then the almost um, the the part of the whole thing that that started to really just make me wonder if I really wanted to do it was they told me I had to do a six month physician assisted diet plan. And that was like, Oh man, you know, I just wanted to be <laughs> and have the surgery, you know? Right. So, you know, strangely enough, I, you know, I had to find my doctor who uh, basically, you know, you, you basically have to find a physician and that is probably one of the most important things you can do is to find not your weight loss doctor, because of course your insurance company knows your weight loss doctor wants you to have the surgery because that's just what he does. So you have to find a physician, a general practitioner, whoever, that will document extremely well on all of your issues that you're having for six months. They've got to, you have to show a pattern of of attempts and basically failures <laughs> for, you right. know, I mean, you, you have to show that you're trying and that yeah. in, in everything you're trying, you're still not able to uh, successfully lose the weight that you need to. So it's a, kind of a controlled, you know, I don't know how to describe it other than, you know, you have to succeed at failing so that you can succeed at getting the surgery. Yeah. Well, I mean, sound- like, there's a lot of medications that are the same way. They require you to try medication A, that doesn't work. Then you try medication B, and then they'll pay for expensive medication C. Right. So they, they want you to try the least invasive, least expensive, least risky method first and document that you tried it before they'll pay for the risky, expensive surgery, which that makes sense. And I, I took it very seriously. Um, you know, I didn't go in with the idea of, well, this will be easy. I'll just, you know, eat the way I, I'll eat for the next six months. And, and you know, and then when I go back and reweigh, they'll find out that I didn't lose any weight. Uh, right. But really, that kind of made me nervous because insurance is not stupid. They <laughs> If they feel like you gained 10 pounds during the time you're supposed to be on a six-month um, diet plan with a physician, they'll know somebody didn't try. And then what you'll do is, uh, you know, potentially uh, I had the fear that they would reject me again because that's what they did the first time and said that I didn't have enough reason to have it. So I followed their rules. And, you know, during that time frame, I, you know, very diligently, I, I increased my activity a little bit, uh, you know, not as much as I probably should have, but I still did some. And in that six months, uh, being on, some of the um, diabetic medicines, one of the byproducts of one of the medications I was taking, it was called Bietta. Uh, it's an injectable um, medication. It, one of its side effects is actually weight loss or, or appetite suppression. So during that time frame, I lost like nearly 50 pounds before my surgery. So I got an uh, aunt Bietta that lives in Mississippi. An aunt, <laughs> <Sorry>. aunt Bietta? <laughs> yeah. So you lost 50 pounds going into surgery, which I'm sure the surgeon was probably happy about that too because it less abdominal fat to deal with and all that kind of stuff. Well, he told me, he told me that the best part about losing that 50 pounds is when you lose, you know, the first percentage of weight you lose is around your organs. So he said, you made it real easy for me to get in there and, you know, navigate around to, to see what I was doing. So he, he thanked me for losing those 50 pounds. (laughs) Well, I don't, I know you're not a a surgeon, obviously. Um, and you don't play one on TV that I know of. And without getting into too much medical detail, um, and exposing ourselves to uh, lawsuits and things. <laughs> no, just kidding. But give us just the the twenty second version. If somebody's listening to this and they've always heard gastric bypass, gastric bypass, they have no idea what that means. What is a gastric bypass surgery? Uh, at least the type that you had. Well, the type that I had is called the RUNY gastric bypass. Now that's spelled R O U X hyphen E N hyphen Y. Uh, and they call it again, the Rue NY gastric bypass. Now, why they call it that? I don't know. I'm sure somebody's, you know, name, you know, is, is Rue. I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> basically what they do is they will, they make your stomach very small. They, they separate your stomach, your normal stomach, and they will, you know, inside your intestines and they will bring up a section of intestine to and connect it to a small pouch. So basically I have a stomach about the size of an egg now. 
And that may scare some people and they say, I could never do that. Um, it's, you don't have to do it. The surgeon does it for you. That's right. And, but you know, it's strange, you know, it's not bad. I mean, I, I, like I say, I was, I think I could have been considered a poster child for the surgery because, you know, I went in on a Monday, left on a Wednesday, uh, had an entire prescription for pain pills, never took one. I didn't need one. Now, you know, I didn't, I mean, I had a little discomfort from the, uh, the surgical procedure itself because they use, uh, the one I had was laparoscopic and I had like four incisions. Uh, you know, one kind of right in your belly button, one maybe to the left of it a little bit, and then two upper ones where they go in and they kind of inflate your belly a little bit so they can see what they're doing. And then with the other tools, they they do the actual surgery. But uh, so so they take a part of your lower, they take a part of your intestine, which is for those of you who don't know your anatomy, it's you have your basically your esophagus comes down, uh, attaches to your stomach, your stomach attaches to your small intestine, small intestine to your large intestine, and that's as far as we're going to go. And so right. they take your small intestine, they detach it from the bottom of your stomach. And they bring it up and attach it to a newly formed small pouch at the top of your stomach. Is that right? Right. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, people may have the question, well, what do you do with the rest of your stomach? Well, it stays there. And one of the interesting things that they showed me when I was uh, looking at the, the diagrams of it is, you know, you have to consider that your stomach, even though it's detached, the majority of it is, it still produces acids and things like that. So where the um, normal emptying of the stomach would go into the uh, small intestine, they actually connect this, they connect it back to the intestine so that the, those particular, uh, juices, shall we say, continue to do their normal thing. They, they do right. their normal thing. And, and, uh, so they don't remove it out of your whole body. It stays there. Uh, okay. So it's not a stomachectomy. They don't no. take your stomach out. They just no. make it smaller and take the excess and route it down to the, to your, to the intestine later. So you don't have yeah. it basically. So they limit the amount of food you can take in at a time. That's the whole point of it. Yeah, they right? call it a, mal- a malabsorptive uh, surgery. It's it's where you you don't absorb as much of the of the fats and things uh, from from the food you eat. And plus, it's just the the sheer amount that you eat is is so much smaller. Um, so, so so you had the surgery on a Monday and you came home on a Wednesday. Yep. And how soon could you start eating after that? Well, they, they limit what you can do your own kind of, uh, I don't remember exactly everything, but everything was basically nothing but like, you know, clear liquids, uh, at first, uh, and then, you know, uh, very clear liquids, nothing, nothing with anything in it. Even, even Vodka. a few days afterward. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <Ever clear. whiskey. laughs> no wonder I didn't need a pain pill. Green alcohol. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Isopropyl ethanol. Uh, so, no, yeah. So. So they you had a restricted to, diet for several days, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you don't want to put any pressure on the sutures uh, on, on the newly right. formed pouch. Uh, so, gotcha. you know, they – they uh, and it's very important that you listen to what the doctor tells you on that stuff because, you know, yes, you can go home and be very, you know um, – Stupid? Yes, uh, for <laughs> lack of a better word, stupid. Eat something and cause one of those sutures to pop loose, and then you have stuff floating around inside your body, and you get an infection. So, yeah, it can happen. I mean, you can't be, you can't do this and 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 not follow the rules. There's, it's important. <laughs> so yeah. they make you. I had to blend up all my soups, and then I had to strain them even. So, wow. uh, so blend them, strain them, and then you know I, I kept a thermos bottle, and you could only take just a little bit, like the little medicine things that you take, uh, take like Dimetap, you know, cough right, medicine cool. or something, you know, just take several, four or five of those one at a time, just, you know, uh, space them out and, and you just did a little bit at a time. And then gradually you started to be able to do more and more. Now we talked about a little bit when the last time I had a chance to visit with you, um, mentally the shift, because obviously you, everybody hears the stories about, you know, Jimmy Joe Fred Bob had gastric bypass and he gained all his weight back because there is it isn't just a physical thing. I mean, your your overeating habits are not a physical thing necessarily. They're a mental thing for most of us that are overeaters. And so you talked about. And I don't want to I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth. I want to let you tell us. But you talked about the when you sit down to eat and you're done in like three minutes and just having to relearn that. That's okay to sit down and eat and be done in three minutes. That's yeah. that whole idea. Yeah. Well, you know, the one thing I didn't say when we first started, uh, I 
Yeah, I didn't, I didn't say how much weight I'd lost. I've lost three pounds. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I've, <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I've actually uh, lost more weight than I currently weigh. Uh, I've lost 235 pounds. And so, uh, you know, there was funny little debate that I was having as to whether or not I should have a funeral for that person that I lost, but, uh, <laughs> I yeah, never I want to see him again. I tell people I'm two thirds of the man I used to be. So you could say yeah. you're less than half the man you used to be. But do you, you, do you even exist anymore? Yeah, I, I weigh about two. Oh, well, I fluctuate, you know, I'll kind of go between 210 and 213 or 214 or so. I figure if I keep that five pound window, I'm okay. If I start yeah. hitting, a, you know, the 214, then I start to back off on whatever it is that I think I'm eating too much of. But, um, you know, you mentioned the mental aspect of it. Go ahead. Did you have some? Uh, yeah, I have a question that, uh, I, I, uh, forgive me, I don't know you. I'm going to get personal if that's okay. Uh, okay. But it's a question I've always wanted to ask uh, somebody who's had the gastric bypass. Um, essentially, the correct me if I'm wrong here, the purpose of a gastric bypass is to get to the diet that follows it. Why not just follow the diet without the surgery? Well, that's because for the most part, most people won't do that uh, because Aaron, Aaron, part of your question and part of Aaron's question uh, tie into this this part. You know, the mental aspect of it, uh, you know, when I had gastric bypass, my mind, you know, I kept expecting my my thought process to change after surgery. I expected me to want to eat less. I expected me to uh, just automatically gravitate towards better foods. But in all honesty, just being real, that doesn't happen. You know, that that doesn't happen at all. You still are the same person you were. And the same reasons why you overate in the first place are why you would continue to overate, overeat and possibly gain your weight back even after gastric bypass. So, you know, there's there's the psychological part of it where, yeah, I mean, basically any diet works. Any diet works if you follow it. Uh, with gastric bypass, it will be said by every gastric bypass doctor, this is not the cure-all. This is a tool. This is a tool to help you to maintain a healthy weight. Um, so, so is the now, idea just to take willpower out of the picture? Uh, you have to have, you know, um, even after gastric bypass, I still have to make conscious decisions not to eat things that I know are not good for me. Um, now if I eat too much of any of those, I tend to, you know, not feel too good afterward. So it kind of, it's sort of like a governor of what you negative, can eat. A little bit of negative reinforcement there. Yeah. Never I mean, hurt. you know, yeah. well, so, it does hurt. that's the point. Yeah. I mean, if now, if I was to take the dinner of a gastric bypass patient and put it in front of you, most likely you'd laugh. You'd, you'd ask, you know, uh, you know, is that what I'm supposed to eat? And, uh, so well, us, the my, feeling, go ahead. I was gonna say, what did you eat? To, what have you eaten today? I'm assuming, have you already had dinner? Uh, no, I haven't eaten tonight. Okay. Well, well tomorrow, yesterday then. Not to, tell me what you ate tomorrow. <laughs> Predict the future. <laughs> no. What, what was your day yesterday? Well, what did you eat? Just people might, may not even know what somebody that has the gastric bypass kind of well, has a lot of, diet, or at least you do. A lot of my decisions now, I, I've made a conscious decision to, to try to eat the foods that are going to be healthier for me. Now, after gastric bypass, you will find that some of the foods that you always loved before, you may have to give up. Uh, that's not a bad thing because if you can just, again, mentally just prepare yourself that there will be some foods that that you like that will continue to like you. There will be other foods that you like that you better not eat them because you'll feel you know horrible after doing so. You don't always know what those are. Um some foods, you just actually look at them and say, that's not worth the effort because, you know, <laughs> I haven't, I haven't eaten a piece of like a uh, steak in almost three and a half years. Now to some people, they say, well, that's a done deal. I'm never going to eat, you know, have gastric bypass because <laughs> of that reason. But I eat, I eat hamburger and hamburger is okay because you have to chew um, quite a bit in order to uh, have it pass through the, the pouch without kind of filling up like a bag of gravel, uh, you know, right. like a better way of saying it. And uh, I, I've said before that, you know, the, the one thing that that's very important when eating, and they'll tell you also after gastric bypass is that you, you eat slow, you know, 
uh, I've learned to enjoy my meals a whole lot more. Uh, we have this sense of how we feel when we eat. Most people will say, you know, when you've eaten that great Thanksgiving meal and you're sitting there and you're 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 full as a tick, you know, you've got that that blissful kind of feeling of I'm just going to kick back. Well, you know, the thing is, is that with gastric bypass, you just reach that point a lot quicker where you say, okay, I'm I'm there, I'm done. And unfortunately, you know, or fortunately, that's kind of the nature of that surgery is that it gives you that same feeling of I'm full and I'm done and I don't need to keep eating. The The problem with early on for me was the time frame because I could eat three, like I say, eat in three or four minutes and basically I'm done and I'm staring at everybody else at the dinner table for the next 25 minutes. And that, that was kind of, it almost was kind of frustrating. So what I learned to do was just eat slower. Right. Yeah, I've noticed recently, which is really strange for me, because uh, Mark and Mike have both seen me eat, and I have always been a big eater, fast eater, um, and I've noticed the last two or three times I've been at Subway, I'm the last person to finish my sandwich. And, and, and I can speak that's to that. weird. Aaron, 20 years ago when we were in college, it was a frightful thing to be too close to him when he was eating. <laughs> Watch your oh, fingers. Yeah. <laughs> they look an awful lot like fries. <laughs> I remember a story that Aaron told me one time when he was dating his wife. Can I tell the story, Aaron, even though sure. I haven't asked you? I don't, and I remember I don't know him, which story it is, but I say, yes, you can tell it. I remember he was, uh, they, they were going to McDonald's or something, and he was like, you know, Cheryl, would you like some French fries? She's like, no, that's okay. And he's like, Cheryl, would you, you know, I'll get you some French fries. And she's like, no, that's all right. I'll just eat some of yours. And he's like, no, Cheryl, I'll get you some French fries. And she's like, that's all right, Aaron. You don't have to get me anything. I'll just eat some of yours. And I remember you telling me, you said, Cheryl. I'm buying you some French fries because I want every single really? one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Not only the benefit, one of the one of the fringe benefits of, of having you as the, the person that I love is you won't eat all your fries and I'll get those too. That's right. <laughs> Bonus fries. I have made the mistake of taking one of Aaron's fries before. It's a frightful thing. <laughs> yes. Not well, quite as bad as they used to be, but now I order a small fry. So again, I can't spare a fry. I have to. <laughs> <laughs> Not even one. And I now, have all you know, the fries I need, and that's all I have. Yeah. You know, so I don't want to ask the question. I don't want to totally gloss over it, Mike. Do you, just real quick, specifically, what did you eat yesterday? Uh, yesterday my, curiosity. my my meal, my nutritional input yesterday was uh, protein powder. I mix protein powder. I use a combination of whey protein and soy protein because after gastric bypass, one of the main things you try to get in first are your proteins. So for me, I supplement that with like a protein powder um, and mix it. For me, I mix it in coffee uh, because it. I, I've just found that that's great. Some people make smoothies and drink them. Some people just mix it with milk and uh, or, or I guess it's like a, it's almost like a coffee mocha, probably. Yeah, it, it really to me. I look forward to it every day. I mean, it's great, you know, because I get about 25, 30 grams of protein in uh, in my my coffee, and I, I mix it and I drink it and just kind of uh, you know just go along you know, for the next 45 minutes or so. And I, and I get the protein in cause that's the first thing they want you to get in, get your proteins in. Um, and I do that like twice a day. And, uh, then for lunch, I'll, I love, I eat spinach leaves. I love spinach, just fresh spinach with, um, I eat reduced fat wheat thins and I love to eat now. I love to eat almonds, nuts, and I eat cheese. I like cheese. So for me, I mean, in Pecani sauce, for whatever reason, all those things, together, you know, you can mix them any way you want to, but I, I eat a lot of that. And now I do eat, um, I will eat out. I'll eat a taco. I'll eat it slow. Um, I don't, I don't really eat beef fajitas if I go out because like I say, the beef, it you got to chew like crazy to get that stuff down right. so that you don't hurt. Cause you know, uh, it's, it's not fun to not chew well because when it sits in your stomach, it, it kind of, when it doesn't want to pass through well, it does hurt. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's, uh, there's, you know, it hasn't happened too many times since I've had gastric bypass in three and a half years. I can probably count maybe one or two times or three times, maybe total where something was just really not wanting to go down well. And, uh, you know, cause people will say, well, do you throw up? Well, yeah, I did, you know, and as soon as I threw up, I was good to go. You know, <laughs> and, and right. you become very in tune with your body because whenever that little pouch fills up with food, you can almost, you know, you can almost like, like a switch. You say, okay, I'm done. I'm done. And you don't take that next bite. Don't take that next bite because you do, you'll wish you hadn't. And, and, you know, and it just, it becomes quite uncomfortable for a little while, but if you just back off and you just, you know, give it a little time, you'll actually feel the food just, you know, just kind of 
uh, it, it just goes through. And, uh, you know, again, that that's a little bit, uh, that's not, I hope that's not graphic sounding or anything, but, nah. you know, you feel it go through and, and, and Mike, you're good to I, go. So, so Mike, my, just to give our audience a sense of, of scale, all right, you've mentioned all these foods, but not really a sense of scale. So a Taco Bell border menu taco is dinner. Okay. Uh, for me now, after three and a half years, because the pouch does stretch a little bit over time, I can probably eat one and a half tacos. Okay. Yeah, right. probably probably one and a half tacos at a sitting. And if I wait 30 minutes, I can probably eat the other half of that one. And yes, right. I've been guilty of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's the thing. So back to Mark's question earlier, then what the pouch does is it helps enforce the, hopefully it helps reinforce the, uh, the diet changes, the lifestyle changes. So right. now it's helped you learn that one and a half tacos really is enough for you. You don't have to have three tacos and a bag of chips and a 20 ounce or 64 ounce Dr. Pepper right. and, and a chalupa right. and a pizza. And realistically, that one and a half tacos probably should be dinner for all of us. That's probably sure. about what we need. Yeah. Right. And, you know, and um, one of the other things that with gastric bypass is that they really encourage people not to do is, you know, you, you, is you don't drink fluids while you're eating because uh, you drink fluids 30 minutes before or 30 minutes after, but you don't drink fluids while you're eating because if you do, you're basically washing the food through the pouch. Therefore, the pouch doesn't fill up and then the pouch doesn't signal you that you've eaten enough. So one right. of the important things about it is that you just don't, I, I don't ever, ever, ever when I'm out, I don't ever order a, a, a tea or any kind of drink uh, because I just order water if I want something just to kind of sip on it after I've eaten. Uh, but, you know, that that's the important thing because you can still overeat with gastric bypass. You can still cheat. You can eat tons of mashed potatoes and they go <laughs> right they go right through the pouch like butter. And so if you want to, if if the part of you says I'm you almost have to make a choice to cheat to do it wrong. Because if you do it right, the gastric bypass works. It signals you you're full. Just stop. Just go away from the food and you're done. Um, yeah. But if you want to sit there and stay there and eat the wrong types of things, you can. I mean, you really can. So yeah. I've made the choice. And I, and I have on occasion eaten more than I should have eaten. You know, I mean, we have to be real here. I mean, if I want a cookie, I'll eat a cookie, you know. Uh <laughs> Because the first thing that you tell anybody who has a little bit of an issue or a big issue with food is you tell them what they can't have. That's exactly what they want. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, I don't withhold something that I want. I just don't eat a whole lot of it. Right. And that's that's kind of how I've tried to do it, too. I really worked on trying to do portion control, trying to take one cookie instead of a sleeve of cookies like I used to do. And um, so, you know, to be honest with you, Mark. Um, talking about Taco Bell and what should really be your the dinner for you. When we go to Taco Bell now, which we do, it's right down the road from my house, we have a Taco Bell KFC. I'm allergic to poultry, so I don't get the KFC, obviously, even though I will eat a few of Nathaniel's taters. Um, I get two uh, grilled steak Fresca soft tacos. Yeah. Uh, they're about 150, 180 calories a piece. I eat that plus a couple of Nathaniel's tater wedges, and I'll, I will drink while I'm eating. I'll, so I'll drink a diet Pepsi or whatever. And that's my meal. Whereas I used to would get three tacos and uh Mexican pizza and of course drink Dr. Pepper or whatever with it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's just a matter for me has been a matter of kind of retraining me what normal is. Um, yeah, we've talked before about portion control and in the United States, you know, the, the 84,000 gallon drink is the normal drink. And, you have big, bigger, and biggest. You don't have a real small, medium, and large anymore. Uh, so it all comes back to that portion control stuff. So, well, Mike, <clears throat> real quick, sorry about the <clears throat> voice screen there. You talk about, just because I thought it was kind of funny, um, tell us about when you, because you, they, they not only tell you, okay, you need to eat this way now, um, you've had this surgery, but they also encourage you to be active. So you decided to pick up the club. Mark, what's your quote about golf? <laughs> That's Mark Twain's quote. Uh, uh, golf is a good walk spoiled. <laughs> yeah. We had another well, one, though, the other day about the... Uh, oh, uh, years ago, men cursed and beat the ground, and it was called uh, witchcraft. Today, it's called golf. 
<laughs> That's so, good. Well, go ahead, for Mike. me, after after surgery, you know, one of the things that they that they uh, encouraged you to do was to get get very, you know, active in doing something. They didn't care what, whether it was walking around the track or, you know, they didn't expect you to go out and 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 start pumping iron right after surgery because most people, you know, the, you know, I was motivated, but I wasn't that motivated. <laughs> and, um, and I was still 400 pounds. So, you know, so anyhow, for me, I, I went and I did the walk around the track. Now it was January by the time I was able to, you know, get out and start doing that stuff. So it was kind of cold and walking around the track was the most boring thing in the world for me. So, you know, some people love it. I didn't like walking around the track. So I told my wife, I said, I'm going to join the country club because they had a golf membership for like 50 bucks a month. And I thought, well, I could join a gym for 50 bucks a month or I could go play golf. And to me, golf had, had the single purpose of hit the ball and go find it. And <laughs> I like to go find it. That's the way I play golf. <laughs> and so, uh, what I had made the personal promise to myself was, is I would walk the course. I would never ride in a cart. So I, I carried my clubs the first few times and realized that that was just ridiculous because those clubs get quite heavy after about the first, you know, after about the first three or four holes. So I did invest in a little pool cart. And so the pool cart, you know, made it, made it a lot more, um, fun for me, but I would hit the ball and go walk to it and I'd hit it again and go walk to it. And, you know, and, you know, 16 shots later, I finally would put it in the hole on the first, <laughs> on the first hole. But uh, you know, I actually enjoyed that. To me, it seemed like it had it had a purpose. You know, I didn't care how I played golf. I, I really didn't. Uh, yeah, I wanted to get better, but I really didn't care. That wasn't my purpose. My purpose was the doctor said, go do something physical. So I'm going to do something physical. And, you know, it began it began to get more, more fun because then I would play. Uh, I'd walk about six holes of golf and I'd be pretty tired. So I'd leave. And so pretty much I got up to nine holes of golf walking and I didn't have any trouble with it. And my golf game was improving, so I was able to go around and play nine holes a lot faster. So as my game improved, I started adding more holes, and I'd play 18 holes. And uh, and then I thought, well, I was the seasons were changing. Time was getting different. And so, you know, I couldn't get off work and do what I wanted to do uh, before it would get dark. So then I would start to actually jog. Uh, I would I would drive the ball off the tee, and I would jog with my cart, pull my pool cart and jog to where the ball was. And, um, and so I probably looked ridiculous to everybody else around me, but you know, I didn't care because I was out, I was being physical. I was having fun. Um, I didn't need anybody with me. It was always fun when I had somebody else to play with, but for the most part, I just did it to myself. The best thing about it was my wife could not fuss at me for going to play golf because I never told her I was going to play golf. I told her I was going to walk, quote, walk the course. <laughs> So she would say, no, you're not. You're going to play golf. And I said, no, 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 I'm exercising, honey. I'm going to go walk the course. So I, I made sure that I never rode in a cart if she, if I knew she was coming. But uh, <laughs> the only time I ever right. rode in a cart out there was when some other poor sap that was too lazy to walk it, you know, wanted right. to play with me. So then I would make them at least pay for the cart. <laughs> That's a good, good rule of thumb. If you're going to take my exercise away, you have to pay for it. Yeah, I even bought just just to kind of motivate others. I bought me, uh, I bought a couple of more pool, uh, a couple of pool carts, you know. So I had mine and two more, uh, and and so any of my buddies that wanted to go, if they wanted to go with me, they had to walk. That's funny. Well, Mike, I don't want to take up your whole evening, um, and I really appreciate you taking the time after a long day of work and coming and um, sharing sharing your heart and your life and your story with us. If you, if I'm the person that's out there listening and I weigh 350 or, you know, if I'm, if I'm a woman and I weigh 250 or 300, 400, 500 pounds, and I've been thinking about gastric bypass, what, you know, what would your final words of advice, encouragement to that person be? Well, I would tell you that one, you need to um, talk with your family, find out what your family's views are on it. And the best thing you can do is get information, information. Uh, you don't want to go blindly into this procedure. Uh, I've seen some people who have gone for appointments for gastric bypass just because they thought it was a quick fix and mentally they weren't ready for it. They hadn't done any homework on it themselves. And so I would just encourage people to uh, look online, read, read what you can read online. Um, 
know that the horror stories will probably pop up before the success stories do. Uh, and that's where information will help you uh, know right. what type of surgery you want. You know, if there's, if there's, di- there are different types of surgeries. Uh, and when you go see your doctor, if, you know, I had a friend of mine that went, she did not like the doctor that she met for the surgery. And then she was really stressing over whether or not she wanted to have it done by him. And I told her, I said, don't go, don't use him. Uh, if you mentally don't feel right about this guy, then you're going to go into this with a, with a strange feeling. So don't do it. You know, look for right. the person that that's going to be somebody that you can trust and, and know that this, this is my, this will be my doctor. Cause that's very important. Extremely important. Check, check into the references, you know, know, know your doctor very well before you, um, before you consider it. But you know, my life now is completely different. I have a, um, a confidence that I didn't have. Uh, I, um, I tended to put up with a lot of things because of my size, uh, at my job site, even and things. Uh, I, you know, I, I took what I guess, you know, you could say abuse, but I don't know if I would go that strongly, but you know, when you're 400 pounds in, in, in your job site and knowing that, you know, there's not a lot of jobs sometimes out there to find, you sort of put up with things because you think you're not worth standing up for yourself because you don't know, you don't want to lose your job. You don't want them to have a reason. So, you know, there was a lot of years that I, I put up with things that, that I shouldn't have. And so for me, I, I had this tremendous amount of confidence start to come in to realize that I was good at what I did. And, you know, I, I realized that I, I loved what I was doing, but I did not have to stay where I was. And, you know, after, you know, like I say, after three years, I, I left the job of 18 years to start a new uh, career, same field, but in a different place. And I am totally, completely, it was a little scary, but I am totally loving where I am, what I'm doing. God has truly blessed me in taking a step of faith that I don't know that I would have taken had I not had surgery and lost weight. Um, I do exercise more now. Um, you know, I, I know that, you know, one of the questions Mark asked before is, well, you know, why couldn't you, you know, why can't people just, you know, do eat what they, uh, I forgot how you phrased it, but basically it's why do you need to have gastric bypass? Why can't you just do everything that somebody who's had gastric bypass do? You probably could. I mean, it, you know, it's true. That could be done. But uh, most people won't. Just just to be honest, most people won't. So this is a tool. It is a tool. It is not the cure-all. That's what you have to remember, that this is just right. a tool. But it was a tool for me that has completely revolutionized how I feel about me. My family is completely completely benefiting from this, uh, you know, my extended family, even, um, you know, I, you know, I am in a very good place in my life right now. And like I say, God has really blessed me and what I've done, but I've had to overcome some of my own fears and step out and realize that, you know, being as large as I was, um, I, my confidence level was really low. Now I'd say it's much higher and it's right. in, and for the person that has it, and probably some of the other people that are listening, if you've had gastric bypass, you may have experienced the same thing. Sometimes you have this this degree of courage that rises up that you didn't know you had. And sometimes you almost have to bridle it a little bit. And you kind of have to say, <laughs> you know, I'm not used to putting up with people's baloney, you know, anymore. And uh, and it's whereas you would take it before, now you won't. And sometimes you have to know when, the, when you want to fight that battle and when you don't. Uh, so, right. you know. Uh, but you don't want to be like my, uh, my college roommate that, that lost a lot of weight and used to stand in front of the mirror and say, man, you have a good looking roommate. I'm yeah. very proud for you to feel that you're very confident now, <laughs> but yeah, I think you've kind of gone over the top. <laughs> and that, you know, one of the things that from a psychology standpoint that they talked about was, you know, and, and you do have to, you know, they have support groups and things like that, that I, I didn't mention that, but when I was, I was going for my uh, initial visit for, you know, the, the consultation rather, uh, you know, they had me sit in a group of people and I, I didn't want to, you know, it was strangers and I didn't, I didn't want to sit there with a bunch of people, uh, that I just thought they were going to just give a seminar on, you know, how you got fat. Well, I already knew that. 
And, but I, it was really extremely informative because I sat in a group of about 15 people and I looked at people who had been, uh, you know, 400 plus pounds who were part of the support group who looked tremendous. They were, they looked fantastic. And then I saw people that were, you know, six months, uh, post-op, some people that were two weeks post-op and other people who were just like me wanting information on whether or not this is what they wanted to do. I would definitely encourage people that if there's a bariatric program, uh, call them, talk to those people. That's what they do. They understand what you're going through. They know exactly how you feel. Uh, maybe, uh, not personally, but I would even say this. A lot of times the staff on a bariatric unit are people who have had bariatric surgery, at least right. in, in, in my hospital, because they know exactly how you feel. They know what you go through. They know the little things that you have to deal with every day that, that thinner people don't deal with. And there's no need for me to say because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And, uh, there's, there's, there's things that you deal with that they understand. And your bariatric doctor, they understand this stuff. Go talk to them. Uh, there's not a need to be fearful of it because like I say, they are there to help you. They are not there to poke fun and, and say, well, you shouldn't have done this. That's not their job. Their job is to give you the tool that can change your life. And I would definitely say when my doctor told me, he said uh, on my first visit when I was 448 pounds and he told me, he says, well, he goes, I think I can get you down to 225. What do you think about that? I looked at him and I thought as a skeptic, I I thought he was absolutely just lying through his teeth. I thought he was crazy. (laughs) I didn't believe him. I didn't believe him at all. I just... Uh, you know, I, I totally didn't believe anything he was saying there because I was still kind of dealing with the emotional aspect of feeling kind of exposed out there. But he was right. right. I mean, I mean, not only that, I mean, he asked me if I was trying to be an overachiever the last time I saw him by losing more weight than what he said. That's funny. <laughs> so, so That's I would great. just encourage you get information and, and information is going to knock down a lot of your fears. Um, and just, you know, you need a good support group. Make sure your family is behind you on this, because if they're not, you, you're not ready for it. You know, right. they need to be as ready as you. Well, if you if you have a question for Mike, I'm not going to throw Mike's public email address out there on the interweb. But if you have a question for Mike, feel free to email me. Uh, all the contact stuff is at the end of the show. You can just email me directly and I'll pass it on to him or use the Googles, as he says, and um, Google bariatric surgery and. Uh, Put in your city's name, bariatric surgery. And I think that idea of visiting a bariatric support group is a great idea to see people, you know, pre-post and much post and uh, all that kind of stuff. So, Mike, I really appreciate your time again and your and hey, no your problem. And I'm really excited because, you know, <clears throat> you and I, whenever we, you know, we used to, I'd, I'd come to class and Mike would show up an hour later and he'd be wearing my pants because he had <laughs> slept on my couch and didn't have any clothes and and there was a time that we could uh we could share clothes, and then he had about two three years there where I couldn't borrow any of his clothes, and I'm trying to finally <laughs> catching up with him, where I can come over and borrow a, pair, a shirt or something, maybe getting close. But uh, I'm excited to see you healthy and uh, gonna have you around for a long time. Yeah, so. you too, you too, man. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. So, eat less tip is courtesy of Joshua Perkins. He has a nickname, Caboose. Um, don't really call him that, but I know that's his. At least that's his handle, like on uh all kinds of gaming things, what have you. So Joshua uh, of the Road to Tough Mudder blog, uh, which we mentioned a couple of times, you can look back through some other show notes to find it if you're interested, read more about that. He went to Subway because he works where I do, and we go to Subway all the time because it's right across the street. It's the, really the only place within walking distance. And he had a little revelation. Joshua is a, is a very fit individual, and so he always gets the light mayo on his sub sandwich. He usually gets the turkey and he gets the light. And so light mayo... Uh, on a sub sandwich at Subway, they will tell you that putting the light mayo on adds 50 calories, 5 grams of fat, one of which is saturated. The regular mayo, should you choose to not go lightly, is 110 calories, 12 grams of fat, and 2 grams of saturated fat. But man, does it taste good. I guess. It's okay. <laughs> I'm a mustard man myself, which is good. Mustard is the ultimate condiment. Mustard, whether it's the regular or the spicy, is 5 calories no fat of any type. It's awesome. So Joshua's point in his message that he sent to me um, was a normal turkey on wheat is 280 calories with just veggies and no cheese. When you add a teaspoon of regular mayo 
it adds almost 50% more calories and quadruples the amount of fat on the sandwich just by adding that regular serving of mayo that they put on there. And to give you an idea of how much that is, a regular cheeseburger from McDonald's has almost the same number of calories um, from fat and grams of fat as a teaspoon of mayo. So essentially, when you put the mayo on your super super healthy turkey on wheat that Jared recommends at Subway, you're adding six fat and calories. Six inch, six inch turkey on wheat from Subway is healthy. I'll just put a little mayo on there. You're adding the fat and calories. Uh, and fat calories from a cheeseburger onto your healthy sandwich. <laughs> so have your six-inch Subway and then go get a, a burger. And, and that's Might as well. No. Yeah. Now, it's not the same full calories. We're not counting all the calories <laughs> of, the, of the meat and bread, but the fat calories, yeah. Now, personally, my sandwich of choice at Subway is the roast beef uh, because I'm allergic to poultry. Yes, I'm unique. Um, that can be my nickname, Sin Pollo. <laughs> I'm allergic to poultry, so I can't eat no. the turkey or the chicken. Um, I can only have the roast beef and the tuna and uh, the, the Italian B&T and the ham. Yeah. So I typically get the roast beef because it's the leanest of those choices other than the ham. That ham just isn't that great. But and I get the spicy mustard. And that is an awesome sandwich. I pile on the veggies and I can get out of there for 400 calories or less. Um, unfortunately, the special for roast beef is only on Saturdays and I'm never there on Saturday. So I always have to pay full price, which is not fun. Over seven bucks for a six-inch sub sandwich, chips, and drink. So, not too great. So, exercise more tip. Eat less tip is uh, uh, what we just talked about. Exercise more tip is what we're talking about now. And I just threw this one in there. Reward yourself. Um, when you get kind of, when you reach a level of something that you can do physically that you couldn't do before, reward yourself somehow and use that new physicality to be able to do something that's fun for you. For me... I haven't started, we've really started to enjoy hiking. So this weekend, my son Nathaniel is going to stay with friends on Saturday night. And my wife and I are going to drive down to Providence Canyon, Georgia, which they refer to as the Little Grand Canyon of Georgia, and go hike three miles into the woods and camp. And it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And a year ago, I could not have fathomed doing that, much less been looking forward to doing it. It would have been a punishment, not a reward. So if you've made some physical gains, you got where you can walk now. If you're a, if you're a woman and you like to shop, which most of them do, go to a really big mall. <laughs> now you've got some more stamina. Do a whole lot of shopping. I don't know. I'm making it up. It's up. It's up for you to determine kind of what that is, uh, what that means to you as far as a physical reward. What I don't recommend, and Mark, you can chime in on this because you actually put something on the uh, forums about this a while back. Don't let your physical reward be a day of rest. <laughs> right, a day of inactivity. It's okay to day rest, but there's yeah. active rest. Exactly. Yes. You, you talked about the, the fam was gone and you originally were just going to veg on the couch with a, you know, a, 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 a punch bowl of full of cereal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instead, you got up and got active and cleaned the garage and got a whole bunch accomplished and, and felt good about it. Yep. So don't reward yourself with inactivity. Uh, reward yourself with something fun that you like to do. All right, Mark, if somebody wanted to read that forum post that you'd put about not laying on the couch all day, where would they go? They would probably go to Google. And then once they got to Google, Google would send them to elementop.com, uh, which is the website for the uh, production company for One Meal, One Workout. Uh, so elementop.com, as I say at the beginning of every episode. Uh, we've got uh, other podcasts there. We've got the forums there. We've got... Uh, um, opportunities for you to share with other people uh, who are uh, on your journey with you and uh, maybe encourage some people, maybe ask some questions. And uh, I would really like to see more activity uh, going on there than than we've seen. Uh, uh, yeah, me too. It would be important. It is important to uh, share this process with other people. Uh, so help us out there. Uh, and a good place to do that is elementop.com. Elementop.com. Sorry, I had to do a little tagline there. Yeah, you can, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I do uh, post kind of a, a blogish type news feed type thing on the, the uh, regular www.onemealoneworkout.com website. And from there, you can get to any of our other interweb uh, empire stuff. Um, I just recently put a, a post up. I think hopefully if you're listening to this, maybe this is your first or second podcast. You haven't gotten all the way back to the first podcast and you haven't caught up yet. Uh, about one meal and workout back to basics and pretty much I covered the whole one meal and workout philosophy and the way I've approached food and fitness for the last year and 14 months now I guess uh, so I'd encourage you if you haven't gotten to that post yet you haven't heard the first podcast 
course, I'd recommend you go back and listen to the podcast, but jump on over to www.1millionworkout.com and uh, read that, that blog about Back to Basics. I think it'll um, maybe give you some encouragement. And of course, if you have any questions for me or Don or Mark about weight loss, anything like that, you can email us, email me at Aaron, double A-R-O-N. Thanks, Paul Paul. At one meal, one workout.com. That's double A-R-O-N. And um, we'd be glad to, to, to uh, field any of those questions that you have. Yeah, I would say one meal, one workout.com is where you communicate with Aaron and he communicates with you. Elevenopi.com is where you communicate with each other. Exactly. That's a, that's a good way to put it. The community versus the, the, the stream. So, Mark, anything else from you before I say the tagline? I, I think I'm good. All right. Remember, as the music fades in, before starting any diet or exercise program, it's recommended that you consult your health care provider. Yeah.